You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow us, Bright City Church, on Instagram. Today's message is from a friend of Bright City, and we know you're going to love it. Morning, Bright City. How you guys doing? Woo-woo. Um, awesome. Well, guys, today is a great day to learn and to encounter God, am I right? It is beautiful outside, it's a little too humid, but we have AC, so we're gonna do okay. Um, hey, yeah, we're, we're so excited to have you today. Uh, this summer, we are doing something called Friends of Bright City. And so we are just inviting the people that our leadership team goes to for counsel, encouragement, um, when we need prayer. Um, these are the people that we uh, tap into. And so we are asking them uh, to speak and uh, to just encourage and teach us. So today I'm gonna invite Katie and Josh Walters up. Um, they're gonna be teaching us today um, a little bit about Josh and Katie. One, they have spoken at Bright City multiple times. So thank you for coming back. Um, Katie and Josh are very passionate about marriage. I know that they're writing a book right now about marriage, which I'm, we may hear a little bit about. Um, they are the proud parents of the A-team, seven kids who are, can I just say like, I know at least half of them. It's hard to know all of them, um, but they're just like some of the greatest little humans I know. Um, so great, great parenting. Um, what else? You guys have a nonprofit in Togo, Africa, Francis and Benedict, which Bright City helps support, and I'm sure you'll talk a little bit about that, but um, just supporting um, and building churches out in Africa. Um, and yeah, they're just incredible people. So I would just encourage you, like, just like that song said, getting ready for you, like, let's just make our hearts um, humble and open, ready to be taught, and let's encounter God. Does that sound good? Cool. Come on up, guys. Good morning. Hi, I love this series called Friends of Bright City, but I have to say, it definitely feels more like family if y'all let us be family this morning because we are actual family. Um, Jess and Nick are brother and sister. Well, I always call Nick my brother, and I feel like people are like, your brother's married to your sister. It's a special family. Yeah. <laughs> Jess is my sister. Nick is my brother-in-law. Um, but we love you guys. And I just want to honor them and their leadership for a second this morning since they're not here. And I can talk about them. And I can tell you all their secrets if I wanted to because we have what's called dark porch nights at my mom and Poppy's house. And so, um, but I want you to know that truly their hearts break and celebrate over you guys. They love you with their entire life. And just thinking about how Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her and this vision of his sacrifice, you know, for us, for the body of Christ. And I just, that's the one thing that marks me, marks me the most about Jess and Nick and their love for the church is that they truly do want to offer up their life as a living sacrifice. And they do it on the daily. They do it um, in the hard times and in the great time. So they love you guys so much. So you are a blessed people. I promise you that. Um, because you have such incredible leadership here all over, not just with Nick and Jess, but every single person that serves from your worship team, production team, the prayer gathering that happens in the morning. It's just an incredible church. So we bring you a lot of love and life from the family and also as your missions partners with Francis and Benedict, we're going to talk about that more at the end and just pray over the team that's going. But you all should know you are making a huge difference in the world in Togo, West Africa, this very small country that very few people even know where it is. And this morning, one of the guys that's going with them on the trip somebody was like he said this is my first time going out of the country and they were like really what's it like is it a safari I was talking with another couple they were like yeah Africa so is it like safari and 
exotic animals, and I was like, well, there are places like that in Africa, but Togo <laughs> is the kind of place you would never go for any kind of vacation. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is not a leisure trip. He was like, oh, wow, <laughs> okay. As Josh was explaining it, the poor guy who's going on the trip was like, oh, great, you know. But you should know there is a, there is a, a village there that you all support at Bright City, and um, as soon as we got there for Nick to preach that morning, he felt the Holy Spirit tell him, this is a bright village. This is a village that we're supposed to invest in and bring about a church and a school and a well. And it's going to be incredible for all of you to see. Sometimes, you know, we can't see the eternal rewards of the difference that we're making in the lives of others, but you all are people that are making such a huge difference. So we want to thank you for that. That's right. Well, hey, let me pray for Nick and Jess and for our time together, and we'll jump in. God, we thank you so much for uh, for this day, and we do just pray for Nick and Jesse as they're away on some some well-deserved vacation and rest. We just pray, God, that you would refresh, restore their souls, that they would come home just having encountered you and enjoyed one another, and uh, we just thank you so much for them, for their friendship, for their leadership, and we pray for our time together today. God, you tell us your word is living and active, that when we gather and your presence that you are in our midst and so we just ask for you to show up and move in our hearts in Jesus name amen Amen. well Katie and I had been married for two or three years and I had gone out to lunch with a mentor one day and he said so Josh how is life like how are things going and we were at a sweet place little did I know two or three years later our marriage would nearly unravel and our marriage implode but at that moment sitting down at lunch I was like man we're we're doing great and the 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 picture that came to mind for me was on a tube. I, I saw myself sitting on a tube floating down a river. And you know, there's seasons of life where it feels like you're just grinding and working and it's like stressful and hard. Well, it didn't feel like one of those seasons. I was like, man, we are on the tube. God is leading us. Like it feels restful. There's some beautiful scenery. Like this is a good, this is a good season. And I'm like painting this picture for him and I finished talking and he looks, he's just looking at me across the table and as I finish and he was a pastor I'm thinking he's gonna be like well praise God Josh you know <laughs> I finished painting this picture and he says man that sucks I was like what and he said if you're on a tube I'm on a motorboat and I was like what and he said yeah on a tube you have no control of where you're going what happens if the river makes a turn there's a waterfall you fall down into the rocks the rocks get shallow it's like if you're on a tube there's no telling where this river's gonna take you I know where God God's called me I'm on a motorboat man and I'm going after it and he he finished painting this picture of life on a motorboat and I'm in my mind thinking like could I, could I have a motorboat? <laughs> you know, like it was the first time in my life where this faith journey that I thought of, of submission and surrender and of trusting God and you don't know where he's going to take you or what he's going to do. It was the first time I thought like, man, I can come before God and ask him, God, if you've prepared good works in advance for me to do, if you knit me together in my mother's womb, uniquely gifted me, called me, placed me here of all the times in history and all the places in the world, it, it may not be just random. Like maybe there's an impact he's called me to make. Maybe as I step into a covenant of marriage that God's uniquely knit a woman together to partner with me, that there's going to be some things he calls me to, calls us to. And it was a vision for my life, that it's not just random where you float to or go, but you can come before God and say, okay, what do you have for me? What is this supposed to look like? 
So today we're talking about vision and how important vision is. You know, many of you have heard the passages without vision, people will perish. And we know that vision drives so much of our life. You know, you think about Nick and Jess on this vacation right now. How did they get there? Well, six months ago, they started seeing themselves there. They started to think about where this place was. What will it look like? What will we want to do? And then you in there, right? Any of you who have any dreams or goals or vacations that you're planning, it starts with vision, right? You seeing it, you seeing it before. But today we want to speak on marriage and we always say, you know, it's not because we're marriage experts. It's all only really because we have a lot of examples of what not to do, right? <laughs> how to ruin your marriage and how faithful God is. And I love singing about that song at the, at the start of just that we're all waiting the marriage of the lamb, right? And so it's our hope and prayer today that whatever season you're in, if you're in a marriage relationship or not, that this idea of vision that we want to paint for you that is a biblical principle will help you and affect you in any re relationship that you have. Because the truth is when we got married, we had a lot of vision. What I would look back now, I would call it circumstantial vision, right? We said, we want to have seven kids. We want to live overseas. We want to have two llamas. We had named them Larry and Leona. You know, we had dreamed a lot about what we thought our life was supposed to look like. What we didn't say, what we never had vision for was, hey, just so you know, for the first 10 years of your life, he's gonna feel very fulfilled in his job, but you're gonna be pregnant that entire time. You're gonna go to grad school pregnant. You're gonna then have little kids that you're staying at home with, trying to figure out how to work. You're never gonna go on a mission trip for 10 whole years. You may dream and pray about another country, but actually you serving together is gonna look very separate and you're really gonna feel unfulfilled. You know, never did we have a Sounds vision for that. Sounds like a happy that. marriage, right? Right. It's great. It's but great. If, you, if we would have gone in with a different kind of vision, right? Not just a circumstantial vision. This is what God's word is for, right? To give us vision that we can hold on to, not for the good times. The vision that we're meant to hold on to is for the the hard times of life. And so I want to start today with this passage in Habakkuk. It's from Habakkuk 2.2, and many of you may have heard it before, and it says this. It says, and the Lord answered me. So this is Habakkuk coming to the Lord. Write down the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that he may run who reads it. So this is one of our clearest passion, I mean, passages on writing down vision, writing down goals. And I can tell you in my family, my mom knows, we have heard this passage for a long time. We're big goal girls. And many people in life do not take the time to write anything down. How many of you could say that? Like when we were getting married and we're dreaming on these date nights, we never wrote down, these are the kind of people we want to be. This is the kind of marriage that we want to have. We never took time to actually write it down. And the truth is, Habakkuk is telling us when it comes to vision, there's three very simple things, right, that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take time to write it down. We're supposed to make it plain. And then we're supposed to make it practical. We're supposed to take time to write it down, make it plain, and then make it practical. Make it something that you can hold on to, something you can live into. Not something that's like, we're going to have three boats, two jets, and a house on the water, right? Circumstantial vision. Write down the vision of who God is calling us to be as his children. And, you know, the sweetest thing I have to tell you about this passage is that I've been studying Habakkuk leading up to this, but really he's, he's a very not well-known prophet. If any of you have studied about the prophets, we don't even know where he's from, where he's grown up, anything about his parents. And 
I just wanted to know more context about this prophet that gives us the one passage of vision that all of us gold girls use like for our entire life. And I was telling my daughter last night who is left on a mission trip this morning, um, her and my son, and she was packing and everything, and she's getting a Bible teaching degree at CIU, but I was just kind of casually telling her, listen, this passage has just been wrecking me in Habakkuk, but I wish I had time to just study more about him, more about the context of his life. This is when I wish I had a seminary degree, Anna Jay. I just kind of like say that to her, you know, and she looks at me and she's like, well, mama, my, my class on minor prophets this year, I did my entire year-long project on Habakkuk. I have the paper if you want me to send it to you. I was like, yes, yes, baby, please send it to me. So this morning I get up early and I'm reading through this, this passage and God just has me weeping because here's what I didn't know about Habakkuk. So his name literally means embrace or wrestle. And so the whole context of his book, scholars say, is about this wrestle with God. This, this fact that God embraces us in the wrestle. You know, you see in the Garden of Eden, we're walking and talking in perfection with God. Who knows how many dreams he's giving them, how much relationships he's in with them. But then we have another garden, right, where Jesus is wrestling with God. He's giving his entire life to this vision that God set before him. And it's a wrestle, there's so much about that moment that he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to give up everything to follow God. And the truth about vision and the truth about Habakkuk and his life is that this life is a wrestle. The truth about your marriage is that your marriage is a wrestle. It's a picture of Christ and the church. And we're not in a perfect world. We need vision for the times that we get actually punched in the mouth every day just by waking up, right? Just by not, things not going according to plan. So when we go through these points this morning on vision, I don't want you to think of this, this whole session as like, now you need to have a vision retreat. I want you to go to the most fancy resort you can think of and write down everything you can dream of. I want you to think of God telling you, I want you to have some handlebars for the tough days. I want you to know who you're actually meant to be in relationship. Sometimes you know, you're not going to like it. The great uh, theologian Mike Tyson said that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> and, and so what I love about the meaning behind Habakkuk there is it's like, man, we may not all know the like sweetness of success in life, but all of us know what it feels like to get punched in the mouth, you know, even if it wasn't physically, like you have a plan and something just knocks you back, messes you up. And so the thought for today being as you get married, if you are married, like what does it look like to have the kind of vision that would guide you through every season of life, regardless of how many times life knocks you down. And there's one word or kind of lens that we want to put on it today that we do believe is core to the nature and character of God, but is often secondary if it's a part of our life at all, and that is of giving. Uh, scripture tells us that God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus told us that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And one of the unique things about Katie and I in marriage is that she is wildly generous and that I could buy her a pair of earrings that I like really worked hard for. Dude, you know, it's like it's tough to pick out anything when your woman's got style. But when you find the thing you're real proud of, it's like, yeah, look what I found. I, you know, and then she likes them. She wears them. She'd go out to a girl's night and come back home. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to see them dangling because I just got them. And I was like, well, where, where's your earrings? She's like, oh, I gave them to Jenna. They matched her outfit. 
like, oh, I would have got you cheap ones if I knew you were going to give them away, you know? But like, whether it's cash or her time or her words or her possessions, like she is a, a conduit of giving. And me, on the other hand, is remarkably close-fisted. <laughs> it's like I have, I have wrestling matches with God where he has to pry my hands open uh, for me to give. I, I grew up like lower middle class. I, I would have to work and cut yards. I could get any pair of Jordans, but I had to pay for half of them. And so it just taught me, kind of conditioned me early on to like work hard for stuff, take care of stuff, because that's going to wear out or break down, you know. So, so I just had this scarcity mentality. And so until God brought us together, I could have seen myself living like that the rest of my life. Like not that I would never give anything, but like there was this one time in college where I had this pink polo shirt with a blue horse on it. And this guy said like, man, that's a cool polo shirt. And I heard God say, give it to him. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, that ain't happening. <laughs> you know, and so like, whether it's a shirt, money, whatever it was, it was just like, man, it's been a wrestle for me to be a giver. Uh, but the reality of marriage, as you talk with any couple, it can, it can be talked about as a lot of give and take. Like, well, I sacrificed, but then I'm going to get mine. Or he did this, but then she does that. But the reality about a healthy marriage, about a successful marriage, is it takes two people that are willing to embrace the heart of God and be a giver. And so as we talk about vision behind marriage, there's a lot of directions that you can go with that. But we want to start with the, the character of God and our sin and our struggle. He saw us amidst the wrestle and he chose to give of his son. He chose to pursue us. And the reality of marriage, the only thing Jesus promised was that in this world we will have trouble. Like it's going to be the most beautiful relationship, the most beautiful covenant to be known and for someone to choose to love you amidst your sin and struggle. But the only way that we really thrive in marriage is as we give. And so for each of these principles that we discuss, we're going to talk about them in the same way that Habakkuk did. We want to make them plain. Uh, the, the language or phrases themselves aren't going to blow your mind, but they are to where if you will make them plain, if you'll build them around the character and heart of God, then it will equip you to run, not to stumble through life or not to meander down the river, right? But to, to get on the motorboat and really go after some things that God's called you to. Yeah, so we all are called to have this vision of generosity. The other thing that we all have in common is that it's going to be a wrestle for all of us. You know, he's talking about me like there's areas of generosity that come easier to me, and that's true. But if any of you know our marriage story, you know that we shared this last year, but there are areas that it's hard for me to be generous in, sacrificing myself, being selfless, being faithful. We all have areas of wrestle when it comes to generosity, but we're all called to it. So the first point for us this morning is that if we're going to have a vision of generosity, we're going to have to give to God give to God. Super simple. Make it plain. But then we have to make it practical, right? All throughout scripture, we see these families, these covenants, these couples that say, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. They make it plain. As for us, we are church people. You know, my mom's always said that we are church ladies. We're in church on Sunday mornings. He wants us to make these areas plain so that we can make them practical. And he asks us to give to him first. You know, oftentimes these simple truths are the hardest things to follow. And I want to tell you a vulnerable story. 
this morning that has to do with the, giving the first to God and the tithe. You know, when we started in marriage, it wasn't, we didn't get consistent in the tithe until we moved to Charleston to Seacoast and we were busted and broken. And also we learned that you could do auto draft because I'm just going to be real. Some of y'all don't know that those days, but if you didn't have the checkbook, like you didn't have the tithe, you know what I'm saying? There was no Venmo text to give. And so once it started coming out of our paycheck, we were like, yes, we're consistent in this. And we really did see God you know, rebuild so much of our life. But then shortly after that, we really felt like he called to give us, to, for us to give above the tithe. And we, we started doing that. And we don't say that as a point of pride, honestly, as a point of humility, because we both think we're probably one of the worst money managers we know, and we're together, you know? So we didn't get that one partner that can like run a budget. So we really give as like, make it right, Jesus. You know, that's how we do the tithe. And he's been faithful. Well, when I started Francis and Benedict seven years ago, it was a nonprofit. Profit. And so for the first couple years, nobody's paid. Everything goes straight back to Togo. And then for the next several years after that, you know, we made sure that 10% was always allocated to these impact lanes. So not just the expenses and running it, but we wanted to go use this set aside money to really invest in the women's lives. Well, starting in 2021 in October, I got the first CFO that I would have. It was a contract CFO who's a Christian. I got in at my Christian CEO roundtable. And he started to tell me like, you can't give this 10%. You, you have to be profitable. You give off your profits, which made sense. I'm like, right, you don't give off gross. What a dummy. You know, I don't know anything about business. Like I should give off my profits. The only problem was I stopped tithing then until we were going to be profitable, which I assume would be next month or the next month. We were not profitable again the entire year of 2022. So I didn't tithe off the gross of the business or anything the entire year of 2022. And I want to tell you, the reason why I'm telling you this testimony is because I was miserable. I was so stressed every single month. I was so stressed about the finances. I had never carried the business like this one day since 2015. I never knew what I was doing. But this year, I really felt like I cannot do this. I have got to quit. I would read these passages that would say, the reward for a righteous man's labor is a good night's sleep. And I'd be like, God, I'm not sleeping. Like, what is happening to me? Like, I hate this. I'm terrible at this the whole entire year. I also was having crocodile dreams. I'm just going to throw that out there. I know this gets weird, but I hate crocodiles anyways. And I was tormented the entire year with terrible crocodile dreams. So that's, I'll get back to that in a minute. The whole year. So I get to 2023 in February and I take my daughter Abigail to Togo because she's moving there in August. And we have a pastor come in who's going to give her a prophetic word. He starts to pray over her. And all of a sudden, as if I had Tourette's or something, I just scream out, I'm not tithing. I'm not tithing. And the pastor looks at me and he's like, okay, that's, that doesn't seem good. And I'm like, I said, I'm tithing in 2022. And, and so he finishes, you know, praying. And then he looks at me, he's like, Hey, I just want to tell you something. You can do this God's way or the world's way. And he was like, I don't think you're good enough to do it the world's way. And I was like, I'm not, I'm definitely not. And he was like, I would try to do it God's way. And I knew in that moment, I'm supposed to go back and start tithing. I start, we got home in February. I tithe off our first drop in March. And can I tell you, since March, you know, it's July. We have been profitable every single month. And honestly, we are $140,000 down this year than we were at this point last year. 
But you know, at this point, last year in 2022, I was negative $40,000 because God is a God of faithfulness when it comes to the tithe. And he wants us just to show him, hey, you get the first, even when it doesn't make sense. So about the crocodile dreams, I get home and I stop having, I'm realizing like, I haven't had any of these crocodile dreams. And I've been telling friends and prophetic people I know about this crocodile torment. And they told me to get this book called the divinity code, which basically just gives you passages about your dreams. So I get this book last month. Sure enough, the first and only passage that is about crocodiles comes from Malachi 3, 8 through 10. And it says this, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And so I tell you this to tell you that the devourer, the reason why it points to this is because a crocodile represents the devourer. And Malachi is telling them there is a devourer that is after you. It's after your finances, your relationships, your wealth, your fruit, your life. And so this giving to God, this life of generosity is not something that he wants from us. It really is something he wants for us. Yeah. And the unique thing about it is that each of us are on our own journey of generosity when it comes to giving. The, the filter and experience you have with money, much like our stories, is unique to you and dependent on the background that you, you grew up in. But what's unique to it is that God doesn't need your set amount. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, each man must determine in his heart what he'll give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money. So the reason that money is so powerful when it comes to cultivating a vision of, of giving to God is because in some way it's a reflection of our heart. My, my struggle to open my hands and be generous isn't because I don't have much money or I just like money. It's a reflection of my heart struggling at times, wrestling to open up with God. But the reality about giving to God is that our finances are just one area. I officiate a lot of weddings each year and one small thing that I love to do at the end of a wedding, uh, when you say, by the power vested in me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and in accordance with the laws of the state of South Carolina, I now pronounce... Josh and Katie, husband and wife, everybody applauses. And then the next phrase is usually what? Can anybody tell me? You may kiss the bride, right? And everybody's like, yeah, it is for real, you know. But what I love to do there is have people applause and say like, hey, I know you're thinking they're about to kiss. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But for their very first act of marriage, we want to set aside this moment and pray as the, a picture of their desire to put God first in their lives. And so from the very beginning, just giving a picture to those that are present, but also symbolic before this couple in the Lord that, man, we don't want you to just be first in our finances right? But we want you to be first in our day. And so if you were to lay the filter of giving to God, a vision of giving to God over every day of the week, over every minute of the day, what's a unique vision for your marriage as to what that would look like? And as part of what I love about Debbie and Gibson, Sunday's the first day of the week and we're going to be in the house of God. Like what if you decided as a couple, like, man, we might be all over the place. Tim Scott, who is a, a senator, attends Seacoast, and every single Sunday he flies home, 
He's, he's at Seacoast more than I am. <laughs> I work there because he's committed. I'm going to be in the house of God with my mom on Sunday morning, and he won't miss a, he won't miss a Sunday. And so what if you said for, for Bright City, man, I'm going to be in the house of God on Sunday morning. Or if you say, when I wake up in the morning, Katie and I are wired real different like that. She'll always set her alarm an hour before she needs to start doing something uh, just so she can get a cup of coffee and sit up in our bed and just be in God's presence. And I'm like, if I sit up in our bed first thing in the morning, I'm just going to be sleeping, but sitting up. Like I have got to get out of the bed and start doing something or I'm getting back in bed. Right. And so we're wired different and that's fine. But for each of us, what would it look like for you to be a, a giver, to give to God the first day of the week, the first moments of the day before you take a bite of your food, as you go to steward your finances, that he's the one that you think about first and most, because the reality of our story that I would say is still the wrestle that we experience today. I wake up in the morning ready for the day. Like as soon as my feet hit the ground, if I'm going down to make us coffee, I'm carrying a load of laundry downstairs with seven kids, man, it's a zoo. And so you got to do, everything's got to be productive or you are going to drown, right? And so I wake up ready to go. But because of that, the, the path that that takes me on can be a path of production where I just start working because part of it feels good to me. And if I'm not careful, then I can find myself 10 minutes, 10 hours into the day having not stopped to give God the first and best of me. And so the reality of that in marriage is that that can play out over a day, over a week, over a year. And if you're not giving the first to God, the first of your week, the first of your day, the first of your finances, then it's very likely that this relationship that means the most to you over time creates drift and you find yourself at a place you never wanted to be. But the easiest way, the most practical way to ensure that doesn't happen is to write it down, make it plain so that when you read it, you can run, that you'd remind yourselves this is who he's called us to be and where he's called us to go. So good. So make it plain, make it practical. You know, and many of you may say, as for me and my house, we serve God. We love God first. We love God with our time. We love God with our finances. Write down practical. We have this rap that's called, we say, Walt to the E, baby, R and S. We love the Lord and we are blessed. You know, make it in your way. I feel like you were kind of casual with us having I mean, a family rap. I mean, could do it with like all the, you know, all it's, the We things. got a little dance. It's like, you know, some, it's, it's, never it's mind. It's more embarrassing it's thing. than you can imagine. But, I grew up you know. on 90s hip hop. And so when we started <laughs> thinking about like a family song, it was I was like, trying to like, rush no. through it like maybe they won't realize how dorky this is but it's part of the vision land family rep <laughs> okay so make it practical okay the second one is if we're gonna have a vision of generosity we're gonna have to give to each other right we're gonna have to give to each other in marriage especially but also in any relationships that you're in and this is another one of those things that is so simple but so difficult because many of you know that the way that we typically do relationships, according to our flesh, is a scorecard. You may not think you're building a scorecard, but you are. If you've ever used these words, well, fair is fair, you know, tit for tat, well, you got yours, it's my turn. Or in your mind, you're thinking, you did this for me, so now, you know, I get to do this. Or we, we go back and forth. And this vision that Jesus gives us of marriage is so polar opposite of that. It's waking up ready to give, waking up giving without expecting to receive. So there's this book that I love called The Go-Giver, 
And um, they actually have the go-giver for marriage, I just learned like three days ago, which is only phenomenal because the whole time I was reading it, I was like, this is a book for marriage. And so we're starting a book club within our marriage group, and you'll get the QR code for that if any of you want to join it in the month of July, where we're going to go through this book together, The Go-Giver for Marriage. But in this book called The Go-Giver, it's just these principles to apply to your life, to live this life of generosity. And one of the very first principles is the fact that your true worth, your true value is determined by how much you will give that you're not compensated for. So in business, it's such a good principle to live out, right? How much will you give a value beyond what someone expects that they're paying you for? You know, how much will you go above and beyond? But in marriage, to live like this is your true value in the relationship is how much you're willing to give that you're not expecting in return. And the truth is, the reason why I love that Habakkuk means embrace and wrestle is that this is a wrestle for us every day. When we start to make this plain and make this practical, it comes at the times that you don't want to do it, right? That you don't want to give of yourself, that you don't want to sacrifice yourself for the other person. There's so many examples of that that we could give you, but... Yeah, I can give you a bad one. So a couple of months ago, we flew to D.C. We had some friends of ours moving from Colorado to D.C., and they had three days to renovate a house. They had to scrape all the little popcorn stuff off the ceiling. They were spraying the kitchen, putting up shiplaps on this big wall in the living room. Katie and I have moved 15 times over the last 20 years, just constantly renovating houses and moving on to the, to the next one. So it was like, hey, let's fly up there. They serve with our nonprofit. They've done so much. Let's go help them. And so we fly up there, and we worked three days of like 8 in the morning to 2 in the morning. I mean, full, long, exhausting days. Got so much done. It was awesome. Well, a couple months later, we had a fundraiser event here in Charleston. An awesome event. Had tables and tablecloth, all the things to pick up, clean up put away afterwards and that couple was there and in my mind I I never pulled out the scorecard of like bro I just grinded and killed myself for you when you gonna show up for me like I I never said that but the fundraiser event ended there was like six couples or six people there and I had to go back to the church to take all the tables and coolers and stuff that we had borrowed and return them and so I was like hey bro any and we're like two miles away I was like hey bro any chance you could follow me to the church and help me help me unload this stuff and he said, no, I can't, man. I'm sorry. And he just, he just left it. <laughs> and I was like, in my mind, I'm thinking like, have you not checked the score, bro? <laughs> like, what you mean you can't? <laughs> you know? And we, we, they were going out on a like, date night because they were in town that night. And I'm thinking like, date night? Dinner? <laughs> like, I never wanted to punch somebody in the throat so bad. <laughs> in my life. But I realized that the problem as I was driving back to unload the tables and coolers wasn't him, it was me. Like as much as I think I don't keep score, it's like, man, so hardwired in us to be selfish, right? Nobody had to teach a toddler that mine, you know, it's like my, my filter is just hard me. And, And that's really difficult to overcome unless you have a vision for it. And not one as Jesus, you know, and in your sin, he chose to come. God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's like, regardless of what anybody else has, can, or will ever give you, will you be a person who chooses to give of yourself to others? That your greatest value in the kingdom, your greatest value in their life, 
would not be about what they could ever do back for you, right? That we would trash our scorecards. So we've got to have a vision of giving to God, and we've got to have a vision of what it looks like for us to give to others. So two passages for you this morning is Romans 12, 9. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. And I love that this morning during the time of prayer, my mom said, you know, I've been camped out in Romans 12 because it talks about transforming our mind, that we're supposed to think differently than the world around us. And this is such an example in Romans 12 of outdo one another in showing honor, right? Try to wake up saying, I want to serve you more today than you serve me. I want to honor you more than you have honored me. Ephesians 5, 24 and 25 says it this way. It says, now as the church submits to Christ, which how many of you know that is a wrestle for us as the church to submit to him in everything. So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a message to marriages about generosity, about the wrestle of giving to one another. You know, I was telling my mom this morning coming down here, Josh had asked me, we're moving and we're trying to show our house. And yesterday we got a showing that was in 20 minutes and we were like, not a chance. You know, we had kids running around everywhere. So we were hoping they were going to reschedule it for today, but they didn't. They said they were going back out of town. But he just had this hope. Maybe we get one today while we're gone at church and we have baptisms tonight. So he said, hey, before you leave, let's have the house show ready. Well, y'all know what that means. Like literally I have a t- these people are not coming before 1130. It's just not happening. I know in my mind that I'm right, you know, and there's no reason I should have to put on three things of deodorant before I've left the house to come down here, you know, to be with you guys. That so, might be another issue. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> so anyways, the whole time I'm thinking this and then I'm thinking about this passage, you know, outdo one another in showing honor. And what I want honor to be is like the Instagram post that's like my man love you, you know, but what honor is, is doing it when you don't want to do it, right? Doing it when it doesn't suit you, doing it when you don't even think it might be right. And so this message of us having a vision of generosity in our marriage is going to be a wrestle, but it's going to be something that God will embrace us in those moments. We can pray and ask him, hey, will you help me love him like you love him today? Will you help me forgive him when he does not deserve forgiveness just like I didn't with the forgiveness you gave me? So we got to give to one another. And then lastly this morning, we've got to give to others. We've got to give to others. That's right. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21 says it this way. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So in this third point, you know, Pastor Nick always says, like, let your pain be your purpose. Many of you have thought about this vision for your life and vision for serving others. And if any of you know that God often uses these points of our pain to transform people, right? Our marriage story is no different. We started out wanting to change the world, wanting to have it be us two serving in ministry together. What we didn't realize is that I was going to come at the expense of some of our greatest points of pain. 
But this ministry of reconciliation, our pain being used to serve others, is because of this generous God who loved us so much to come to us in our darkest points of pain and actually do what we could not do for ourselves, right? Bring us back to him. And so what we want to give you a picture of this morning of a vision of generosity when it comes to serving others is to think about it in this way. Not only does he want to use the pain, the things that he's brought you through, but when you go to do that act of service, to remember that it's supposed to be a wrestle. It's supposed to also bring you back to these points of desperation and pain. You know, I think about my mom leading single moms and seeing moms here at Bright City. You know, she was a single mom and God brought her through that. And you would think, right, so now she's going to go and pour into these single moms. But the truth is she breaks over them because she knows the mountains that are ahead of them. She knows what it feels like on Friday night when you're sitting there by yourself. She knows it more deeply than people that would just come in and ask them to be strengthened. She knows how long it may take for God to move in certain areas. And it breaks her. You know, the point about him using these places of our pain is that he wants us to give so sacrificially that it's a wrestle for us because we need him to come even into those moments. One of my favorite passages that speaks to that, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comforts, who comforts us in any of our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. When we have a vision of giving to others, there's a supernatural transfer that happens that brings purpose to your pain for the stuff that you've walked through that you might have questioned, where is God in this? Why is God doing this? Well, it's because later on down the road, there may be a person who doesn't share your faith, who doesn't know you, that you can say, man, I went through that. God did this in me and he's going to do that for you. If he did it in my life, he can do it in yours. And in our marriage, so many times, uh, the reality of a marriage unraveling is that it doesn't get there overnight, right? But in the moment of crisis and emergency, when you realize for the first time that, man, what I hold dearest is out of my control and unravel, usually the calls that we get are 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night. We've been through the long, same long day, all of you have, and kids' baths and dinner and cleaning up and getting ready for the next day. They're like, hey, can we come over? Hey, could you and Katie come over? And I'm thinking like, man, the last thing that I want to do right now is step into your crisis because I'm spent, man. But then I go back to our story and I'm confronted with the reality that the only way we made it, I mean, it was the grace of God, mercy of God, was another couple that was willing to open their home sit with us and walk with us. They weren't professional counselors. They didn't have marriage and family degrees, but they were a couple that had always kept God first. They were a couple that always put each other first and were willing to give to others. And it inspires me to do the same. So know as you're cultivating vision, man, if you will put God first, there's no season that you can't just walk through, but thrive through. He will grow you, stretch you, do amazing things through you. If you'll put each other first, Katie and I use the language of 10 and two, that we need to be at a two, at a 10, and every other relationship has to be at a two. Because if, if you're not careful, your best girlfriends, guy friends, hobbies, like things can creep up the priority list and without you even realizing it, trump your spouse. So give to God, give to each other, and then build a life that gives to others. You may pray for us. All right. Hey, let's do this before we, um, as we, as we close. So a couple of, uh, maybe like, I don't know, three years ago or so, I was having this issue with my eye, my 
my, one of my eyebrows was just like steady twitching to the point that it was like really bothering me. And this guy, older guy at our church, I went up for prayer about it and he just held, held his thumbs over my eyes. And it was the first time I hadn't even considered that there could be a connection for me of something happening in the natural with something God was wanting to do in the spirit supernatural. Like, was he drawing this attention to my eyes for me to pray that I might see the way that God sees, that I might see some things in a spiritual realm that I was, that I was just missing. And so I want to pray for each of you that whether you're single and praying about a spouse one day, going to get married one day, or if you're married, like, man, this relationship, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. There's so many ways that the unique, like, thumbprint of Katie, her DNA wiring perspective has sharpened and molded and helped me become everything that God had in mind for me. And so as you're praying into this vision for marriage, if you're married, or just vision for life, as we pray, it might seem weird, but I just want to invite you to put your hands on your eyes. And I'm just going to pray that God would supernaturally help you to see things that you might not have seen, help you to structure your life in ways that you might not have otherwise. So God, we thank you so much for this time. And I acknowledge that even when it comes to cultivating vision, it can be so challenging for me because I love a good task. I love to check things off my list. I love to stay busy and go to bed tired because it feels like I got some things done. And so much of the work of vision requires discipline to be still, to come before you in prayer, to write it down, to make it plain, to check my actions with my values and my my vision. And so I just pray for every person here today. God, open their eyes in the spiritual realm to see things uh, that they might not have otherwise, things that they might have blown by, whether it's uh, a person to care for, whether it's a truth that you have for them. God, allow them to see their lives as but a vapor, that they wouldn't take for granted the power of vision and the reality that you desire for us to run, for us to make a difference, for us to have an impact. So God, we thank you for this church. Thank you for every person here. Pray that we might be a people who live out the vision that you had in mind when you knit us together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening into Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.